Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited that you are here. My name is Amanda Joy Loveland, and I am your host for this podcast, Leaving Religion and Those We Leave Behind. This is for sure a passion project and something that's very close to my heart and something I never thought I would be doing. We are sharing our stories of why we left religion, what we've learned through it, and how we moved through it with as much ease and grace as possible. This is a place of community and gathering and is not a place for bashing. So I am excited to welcome you to the conversation and welcome you to my show. All right. Okay, we go. get this show on the road. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am thrilled to have Holly here with me today. Thank you for joining me and doing this lovely new podcast of mine. And you were someone that when I was coming, I, this idea was coming together and all of a sudden now I'm going to do a podcast and I'm list, thinking through, I, I really have some epic friends that have amazing stories and you were one of obviously one of those people because we're chatting right now. And um, so, yeah, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Now, were were you born and raised in, I don't, I know part of your story, but I don't know all of your story. Were you born and raised yeah. in Mormonism? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I loved being a Mormon. I loved what did it. You love about it? I loved, I loved learning about God. I loved um, I felt like I could get close to Jesus. I felt um, it was social to me. As an adult, I loved going there and telling all the women how beautiful they were and, and loving on the children and, and telling them how um, I loved their smile and stuff like that. It was, it was an outlet for me to spread my love. Mm. Went to get service, and I loved wearing garments. I loved going to. The you temple. loved wearing loved, garments. Yes, uh, I loved it. The moment I put it on, put them on, until one day it was like, oh, I'm done. And then I hated them. But <laughs> up until that, years, you loved it. Yeah, I loved every aspect of it. So, so what until then? I didn't. Yeah. What was that? What was that process like for you? Was it something that was just all of a sudden? Was there lots of little things that came in? Well, it felt all of a sudden, but really, I think there were pieces and time frames where I would give up. Um, it ahas would come to me and I would say, okay, that doesn't feel right. This doesn't work for me. How do I, at, at one time I was teaching primary and I thought, how could I teach that they're not going to see their heavenly father anymore if they don't follow these instructions? How mm. going to a baptism and them being eight years old, how would I teach them such unkind things? Yeah. So it was a process teaching my own children. How could I teach them? This doesn't feel true. It doesn't feel loving. It doesn't seem sane. And I would ask questions. I had a really good teacher with my mother. She's very loving. And at the same time, um, like I asked her, if you go skiing on Sunday, then um, you'll break your legs. Oh. And so I asked her point blank. So 
So is God just waiting to break my legs if I go skiing on Sunday? And she said, yes. <laughs> so, so things like that were just... Um, Didn't quite... To my mess. mind was crazy. Because the God I knew was seriously, really just loving. Well, so, and, and, and I just had a conversation with another guest uh, a week or so ago about how it is interesting that we think that God is conditional in his love. But that is essentially what you're talking about. There is this teaching that you have to do these things to be accepted and brought into the fold and, and you know, meet the judgment bar or whatever, which is conditional love. And that's yeah. really silly. Yeah. Funny that we buy into that. Yeah. Well, (laughs) if you're brought up and hear it since you're a child, then you can see how it would be easy to buy into that. It's just what you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, Holly, have you always, so you hear and see things, you're, what do you call yourself now? Do you know? Um. Like a spiritual intuitive, uh, a spiritual being. I it, it comes to my mind. I am intuitive. I've always heard, but it, when I was a Mormon, if you asked me, "Do you hear?" I would say, "Absolutely not." No. Okay, that's what I was curious because about. Even though my whole life since I was a child, I was always close to. Um, I have probably told you this. I my older brother that died a year before me I never met him here in this in this body he was always with me um the whole time I grew up 24 7 he was just there so if you asked me could you see angels I would say no because yet you saw him yeah and I would hear I mean Jesus would talk to me and one of the beings that helped me was Joseph Smith when I would when I started to question and for a year daily he would say join none of them join none of them and I would get so frustrated and angry and say you're the one that started this so why (laughs) are you telling me join none of them and it would be so frustrating to me so I feel like and at that time, if you asked me, could you hear, I would still say no. Why do you because think that was? I think about it because you weren't allowed. I wasn't allowed as a woman and a nobody. I wasn't allowed. So I didn't allow myself. So it's almost like it just wasn't in your awareness. It, I thought that it was normal, too. I thought everybody, yeah. I just thought everybody heard like me. Everybody um, had that ability. And I, I think that it's who we are, that we are just intuitive because it's how we talk. It's how we communicate. So I still believe that. Mm-hmm. It's now I acknowledge that, yeah, I hear. Yeah, I am um, have whatever you want to call them, guides, angels. And you're beautiful. I've got to do a little shout out that you're an amazing healer too, especially with the physical body. Like you, you've helped me through some 
very interesting times in my life. Even when you say some of those hard truths that I don't want to hear. <laughs> so you are very gifted at what you do. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, that is really interesting. And um, to be honest, I didn't even think about that side of your story with how I'm like, I think you've always had this with you. It's just always been a part of your norm. So right. going back to you just had things that just started not feeling feeling right. Did it just continue to build and build and build? Yeah, where I couldn't deny it. And even I did have um, like one of the major incidents that happened to me that you would think, oh, that would be it. It wasn't for me. I, as a Mormon, I could still, well, I'll tell you my story. I took a class. Um, and then in sacrament meeting, after I took this class, I would have never taken it. If they read the this letter, it was like a self, um, like a self-help or yourself. energetic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I took this class and then in sacrament meeting, they read a letter from the first presidency that said, you, these classes are bad. Don't take them. I was heartbroken. I was, I was like, how? could have I taken this class I didn't even know so my brother at the time was dating a woman that lived right next door to um Monson Mm -hmm. so I knew that this letter could be hand um delivered delivered to him personally so now was he who was he at the time what was he in his authority at that time he was I think the first president okay in the first presidency yeah is what I think it's been so long it was uh, 20 had to be about 23 years ago so it's funny I used to know every single name and all of the stories and then when I let go of that like I don't know who what the name of the prophets and who's in I know, the I'm the same way. I don't know any of that. Yeah. And anyway, it took me three days to write this letter because I wanted um, what I had to say to be exactly how I felt. So I would, I wrote this letter and then and I called my sister and said, is this clear? Does this, what does this sound like I'm saying? And in it, I wrote my testimony of how I felt about Jesus and um, how close that I felt to him. And how could this class be wrong? Because in the class, my relationship with Jesus grew um, exponentially. So I was so grateful for the class because I felt so much love from my Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. At that time in the class, I felt so loved. So when I, so after I wrote the letter and I would, um, I got it perfect. I gave it to my brother. He gave it to his girlfriend, hand delivered it to Monson. Didn't hear a word. Next month that the enzyme came out, my testimony about Jesus was in there word for word, just took out the beginning where it was my name, my experience, but my actual testimony about Jesus, word for word was in the enzyme. And then the bottom of the letter was his name. 
that it was his testimony. Mm-hmm. So I'm like taking a deep breath as you're telling this story because I know this story. And every time I'm like, oh, shit, <laughs> that would be hard. I it put me flat in bed. I threw it in the garbage. I thought it must not be true. Then my sister called and said, did you read your letter in the enzyme? It was your testimony. So then it, it then I couldn't deny it. So it really put me in bed for like a minute. For, no kidding. You know, I mean, I had a lot of kids, so couldn't put me in that long. But <laughs> seriously, it was um, it was hard. But I started thinking, okay, I didn't know what to think about it, so I put it on the shelf, and it wasn't what made me stop. Um, being a Mormon at this time, this day, I don't consider myself, I wouldn't consider myself a Mormon at all today. Yeah. Right now. But back then you were still choosing in after that, that experience. So how, how long after that experience did you stay in? (sighs) Probably a year, Yeah, year and a half. What was your ultimate, I'm done? I felt done. Just Intuitively, annoying. I was done. Yeah. And and the more I was done and I would just feel done, the, then things would just fall away when I would hear things like, oh, that doesn't go with me. That's not flowing with what I know, what mm. I feel, what my experience was. So... So to this day, you don't have a lot of harsh feelings around that letter from what you and I have talked about. Is that accurate? Well, I kept it on my computer. I don't know how long, but, you know, computers get old, systems get old. Finally, this, the computer was no good. And uh, I didn't really share it with anybody because I didn't want to break anybody's heart. I, I wanted them to be on their own path. And if it was for them not to be a Mormon, then then they would be led on their own path to not be a Mormon. And um, in my own brain, I could say, well, maybe as a Mormon, I didn't, but I could see how I could. As a Mormon, maybe he just didn't have time. And I was the uh, one that gave him something to ease his burden, you know. Mm-hmm. could make an excuse for anything as sometimes we do in this human existence. Yes. So, if someone talks to me and asks me about it, then I share it. But I don't, um, if, if someone that is still in the religion and wants to be asks me a question about the religion, then I say, Go ask someone like your bishop, go ask someone in the religion, because I can tell you things that are not in the religion and my beliefs and my experiences. So now I didn't want to break anybody's heart, really, which does not surprise me. And and because you are one of the most loving. I tell you this all the time. You're one of the most loving people I've ever met in my in my life. So that doesn't surprise me that that was part of your, wait a minute, 
I, if I loved this person, I wouldn't act this way. That doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, now you lived in, I want to say Saudi Arabia, but that's not right. Where did you? I just visited um, a place in Palestine by Gaza. It's a little town. I can't say it right. It's called Canunis. I thought you lived um, there. You just visited. Uh-uh. I thought because mm-hmm. you're, weren't you with someone that was that? Mm-hmm. Was that during your time of being Mormon? Oh yeah, I was Mormon. Um, that I was with a man named Montasser, and then I we got divorced, and then I married um, Brent and had five children, and I was Mormon. Hmm. And I was Mormon when I, I went to the temple when I was married to Montasser. And I would go to the temple once a week. Would you? I mean, I, I was always in, I was young woman's president. I was always in some presidency or doing something. It's what I wanted. I loved to serve. Mm. So when you, of, go ahead. I thought I was serving is. God. Yeah. I say God now or the universe, whatever uh, vocabulary you want to use at the moment. So when you did finally have that, all right, I'm done and decided to, to leave, what was your process like? Was it painful? Was it, what was it like? Did your children leave with you? What did you, how did that look like for you? It was scary. I had a lot of support. Um, being intuitive and being able to hear so clear, um, I had a lot of support. I had, I felt so loved. Mm. So that's the only way, or I couldn't, I couldn't have left. And even though it was, through to me a short period of time um that's i had support from jesus from joseph smith from angels from um my sisters at the same time i took this class and and i was hearing even more and the people in the class there was a woman that spoke tongues and we were learning about essential oils. Mm-hmm. And at that time, essential oils, it got me pulled into the Bishop's office. Essential <laughs> oils did. They were um, taboo. So. Well, back I, then anything that was energetic or holistic was like, Oh, we don't, we don't talk about that. I remember. Yeah. I got permission from a man that was a, uh, patriarch he gave patriarchal blessings in my sister's neighborhood and he said oils they've been used forever they're they're just and he used oils but he was he gave patriarchal blessings but he said they're okay to use so then I felt more okay to use them I didn't feel like I was going to hell yeah at the beginning I didn't know anybody um that uh questioned anything in the church and I thought my sisters were going to say I was going to hell I was really I at the very beginning when I started hearing um 
different things than what I was taught, I was terrified. So the the one main big event that happened where I said, okay, I can go. I told Jesus because I felt like he was my friend. I felt that that he would give me the truth and tell me what's happening. And, and he was so loving and that he would tell me, um, you're going to hell. And I'd say, okay, what do I need to do? Or he'd say, yeah, this is the way. I felt like I could trust him. So I said, okay, you are the one who started this church. It's named the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So if you tell me that it's okay to leave, then I'll leave. So I was sitting in in um, Sunday school, front row, of course, in the seat, listening, and I could feel something. So I turned, and it was like a hologram, but he was walking um, up into the classroom, and I was freaking out, and I was looking at everybody like, why is Jesus is in the room? I scream. Should I scream? <laughs> Look, and somebody was watching me. Probably thought, "What the hell is this? What, what's happening?" Because because I was looking at everybody, looking at him, and he came up and he stood right in front of me, and he told me it's okay. I because I told him if you will be my teacher, if you I if you will replace the church, then I'll. I'll go. Then it's safe for me to go. So he was the only one that could replace the church. And when he came up and he stood right in front of me, he didn't kneel. He stood in front of me like an authority. And he said, I will be your teacher. I will provide what you're asking me to provide. I give you permission to move from the church to me and so really if I look back at it that was it and it was was still scary yeah then I said okay I'll do it so well how did you film that class afterwards did you head home right after or what did you do once you had that experience no I had all my kids were around and about and I stayed there until the end, and then I went home. I think I, in everything, I was quiet mm-hmm. about everything. It, um, I think I still had the belief that if you had these experiences, then it was um, not to be false. shared. Oh. Yeah, you had to keep them quiet and stuff. One time uh, later, Jesus told me all that humility is a lie. And mm-hmm. since then, you know, so I chewed on that for a while. All humility is a lie. And so um, now I still might be quiet about some things, but I speak my experiences a lot more. So. <laughs> So did your, how old were your kids at that time? They were younger, weren't they? My youngest was when I first started, she was a baby. Mm-hmm. Now she's 
20. <laughs> so, so it, it probably took me two years because I think my son was turning one. Benjamin was turning mm. one. And they are three years apart. So did you just say, okay, kids, we're no longer going to church? What did you do? Yeah. Yeah. I told them if they wanted to go. But before, every time they would go, I would say, you know the truth. You can hear. Mm -hmm. There's, you'll know if you hear something true or if it's a lie. I would do, I felt protective, but I wanted it to be um, their choice. They have a lot of family that is LDS and they're, I mean, we live in Utah. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So I know that um, as I've worked with clients and just in my social networks, that one of the challenges that a lot of parents face is when they make that choice and now they step out and they bring their kids out with them, that there, there's a gap. There's like this, this place that feels empty for, for most of them, because you, you know, most people will kind of do a pendulum swing because most people don't hear like you do and don't have that relationship that's already pretty strong. And so, you know, that gets lost. Um, you know, you're really walking away from all of those aspects that you've known for so long and you're with taking your kids out. Most of whom will sit there and feel like now I don't know what to do here. What would you, what would you say to someone that's just saying, I'm really struggling with what do I teach my kids now? What do I do? I still have that. And none of the five of my children, none of them are Mormons Mm -hmm. and their partners aren't Mormons. They don't consider themselves even uh, like a non-going Mormon, a Jack Mormon. They don't consider themselves Mormon at all. In fact, my children don't even know a lot of the stories. My two older children know some of the Book of Mormon stories and stuff like that. Um, I always felt like my my second son would have liked to have religion. Um, so I would, he just seemed that, he, he said he was interested in it. Mm-hmm. But I would also give him the other side of, you know, truth. Mm-hmm. I was never, I didn't discourage him or tell him, um, I didn't give him discouraging words against the yeah. Mormon religion or anything. At the same time, I would tell him, this is my experience. This is how I know God. This mm-hmm. is the way that. Um, being a being, a loving being, being connected, being in the oneness. Um, so fill your truth. What is your truth for you? Mm-hmm. And I know, like when he wanted to be baptized, he is baptized. And I, I told him, you need to ask. And he said, Mom, I didn't get an answer. I still want to be baptized because I want to be part of dad's family. And that's the only way you can be a part of his dad's family is to be a Mormon. So I told him, okay, just know that that is the reason why you're getting baptized. It's not because 
you heard your God say you need to be baptized in this particular religion. It's because you want to be a part of this club in the family. And I'm great with it. We'll throw you a party, get you what you need. Got him scriptures with his name (laughs) monogrammed on him. Mm-hmm. And then he never went. Oh, interesting. But um, they went through, the boys went through scouts and activities and stuff like that. But they didn't have the same. Um, when I was a Mormon, when I went to the temple, I got answers. I got answers every time I read scriptures and stuff like that. I heard. I, our, um, voice our god's voice doesn't say you have to be a particular religion or not be a particular religion before i speak to you god speaks the universe speaks it's Mm -hmm. who we are so wherever i was i got clear answers being in the celestial room clear as day those were not taken away from me not one bit Mm -hmm. god speaks where you are because that's who you are. Mm-hmm. So nothing changed. Just in, um, I heard, I always have, God speaks, God is in every breath, always has been. Mm-hmm. Nothing has changed that way. I have, I, since I can remember, I had a desire to know who I was. And that is to know whatever name you want to call it, to know the universe, to know God, because it's who we are. Mm -hmm. So uh, that desire hasn't changed. I still um, have that desire, that drive to know. Yeah. So if being the love that God is, of course, God would speak and God is in everything. Mm-hmm. So, well, and, and again, a lot of people don't have that and will feel just a void or an emptiness. And I, I remember my kids still went, you know, this, my kids still went to church with their dad because their dad was still Mormon for a few years after I left. And I would have those similar conversations. And I feel like it was because you and I had talked about this. And I always loved how you would, you would ask your kids, you know, if they had a headache, well, how many does it, how many Ibuprofen does it feel to take of, of really teaching your kids at a young age how to be intuitive. And I that like that had never been a, a thought of mine because that's not necessarily how we're raised in Mormonism. And I look now, however many years later, of of how empowering it was for me to start teaching my kids at a young age. Well, did that feel true? Great. Go to sacrament, you know, go to primary, do the things. But just because they're up there teaching doesn't mean what they're saying is truth and that you have to believe everything they're saying. You get to determine for yourself. And I would say that and I'd ask them how church was and and then I would ask them, did it feel true? And I would start doing that. And, and the more I did that with them, I feel like it helped them start trusting in their intuition and that inner voice that they had. And now and eventually they all left. They all left on their own. But I for me, because I'm not one that has always been able to listen for me, I feel like looking at my kids now, the relationship that I have now with my kids, which is a really beautiful, amazing relationship. If I was still Mormon, I don't think that I would have that relationship. Like it is night and day 
the type of parent that I am now. I'm more about empowering my kids versus telling them what to do. And it's, and I feel like that is, that's what you do with your kids without a, without doubt. But a lot of people, yeah, they struggle with now, what do I do? And I think that that's one of the really beautiful, well, what does God look like? And I like that you're saying that God is in everything and we can still have a connection. It's just, it's not that maybe the Mormon God, the heavenly, the heavenly father version of God, because that Mm -hmm. died for me personally. I think that even when I was a Mormon, I have a lot of help. Um, I remember when Sarah, when she was little and I was, I think I was young woman's president at the time. and She was little, like two, three, and she wanted to wear bikinis. And I remember thinking I didn't want to shame her body. And she felt, you know, cute. Mm-hmm. I had no kidding 200 dresses for her and she wanted to wear pants ever since she was young <laughs> she knew what she wanted to wear uh-huh. and she wouldn't wear everybody gave me dresses so no exaggeration I probably had 200 for oh, I believe it so she wanted to wear her pants and her t-shirts and her bikinis and so <laughs> And there was there was lessons that said teach him to be modest even when they're you know little. What clothes are they going to wear when they're older? So start when they're really yeah. young. So I was asking Jesus one day, and He told me, and it was so with so much love and wisdom. He said, "Teach her. Don't tell her what to wear. Teach her always the intention of her heart." And to me, I could see, because I have these teenage young women, um, that's what I would want them to know. Yeah. Why? Was it to impress a boy? Was it because they felt beautiful? Was it because it was the trend? Just to know themselves is the most, um, gives the most clarity, freedom, loving thing. So even then, even though she was so young, then I, that's when I started asking. And at the same time, so I feel like I got a a lot of help from a kind master as what I would, um, he was one of those when I was um, uh, a Mormon that I chose to have one of my teachers. Hmm. So he was very loving. Are we talking a spirit guide? Or are we talking a human? I'm talking about Jesus. Okay. Oh, I got you. I, I did, okay. I'm connecting the dots. Well, yeah. Okay, yeah, that would, that would be a great, Jesus is a good teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's really love, good for me. And, they, and again, it is so fascinating, but you know, we're sitting here now where we're talking about these really beautiful things and kind of the contrast and, and I don't know if you would say the same, but I'm grateful to have, for me, some of the contrast is specifically when we're talking about kids or some of these different principles. And and I know that you said that you really, really loved the religion, but is there, what would you say that you really gained from being Mormon? Like, I know that you're grateful that you had that experience. Why, why would you, what would it be that you'd say was the reason why you were grateful for it? Would you choose it again? Um, I think I would, 
I do not want to be a Mormon. I do not like uh, really religion overall. I don't um, gravitate to at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mormon religion, I don't like to sit through a baptism. I don't like to go to sacrament. I don't like to hear um, some things, uh, what they teach. When I go, to, if if I ever go, it's like, I can't think of the last time I've been to church. Mm-hmm. But if I ever go, then I will look at the love and beauty that comes through the person like I did when I was a Mormon. That's what I loved about it. I loved that it would give me a place to an outlet to express God's love, honestly. Mm. Um, I love that. When I went to church, then my message was always, uh, God loves you. Heavenly Father loves you. Jesus knows everything about you (laughs) and is there for you. So my message was, I still feel like that's the same. I might use different vocabulary, like um, uh, you're to give clarity that everybody's relationship is one, that you can't be alone, even if you feel alone, um, that to give that clarity of, of that we're all supported and and love is in abundance and never scarce and so it gave me I don't know it it I learned about God there. Did your God by a different name? I had to let yeah. go of a lot of stuff and sometimes I say I'm a dry Mormon when I was in you my still, 20s, Oh, you don't say that now. I still say that sometimes. <laughs> I still have judgments sometimes. Like who does that? that? Yeah. So I say, oh, I'm a dry Mormon because <laughs> I still have judgments of of how it should look. What you know? That's funny. How it should be. Because so. you have judgments, that's why you call yourself a dry Mormon. Yeah. Well, when I was in my 20s, then uh, some members. In my family, um, where they took drugs and stuff. So um, the church had a drug meeting where you would all meet at once. Loved it because you would see all sides. You would see mm. the codependent and the dependent. You would see the wife and the child, the husband, you know, the children. Um, you would see all spa- aspects of the of um, addiction and we would just say, even when you quit drinking, then you're a dry drunk. You still have the same um, beliefs. You still have the same actions. You just don't have alcohol to help you uh, with those actions and stuff. So that's where that came from. It's a dry drunk, a dry Mormon. Makes total sense. Yeah. so. So did your God change when you left? Did he die at all or did it just? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I um, went through some stages where um, because right away I didn't give up 
like the role of Jesus, the Christ, the only begotten son. He was, um, that's who he was to me, even after I left. And Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, I was so supported and that I had them and they were still my God. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so that process was really challenging too, to let go of that, that I didn't have a heavenly, the one heavenly father and heavenly mother. Yeah. That they were my God. So it was a process even after I left the church. Yeah, it is. I feel like it is. There's like, even as you're talking about how you have judgments, like I feel like it is this circular process. I'll feel like I've been told I'm totally fine. And then something else will pop. And I'm like, wait, what? I guess I'm going to go look at that. That needs to be healed. So because you have, I'm curious about this because you have such a really, and have always had such a close relationship with Jesus. What is your understanding of what the atonement really was? Do you mind sharing? I mean, if that's, you don't have to share if you don't want to, but as you're talking, I'm like, hmm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. You mean, um, did he bleed from every pore and die for our sins? Uh, I've no. <laughs> and I don't know if there was a, a being that came in a human body that did have a role and um, I think that there was a being that, this is what I'm saying is, I don't know. And, you know, there could be a being that anchored, I think uh, we say Christ. I think that, I think we all are. Um, we all are what? Are Christ. Christ. Okay. Yeah. Have I the ability it, and the capacity to have Christ consciousness, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the vocabulary. You know, I've had to really, when I'm talking about it with you, I think I've had to give up so many belief systems and I, and I know I, I don't know what the hell is really for sure what's going on. I guess when I die or when I live, then I'll know. Mm -hmm. Well, you had an experience. You had an experience. I, again, I did not anticipate actually having this type of conversation. So this is funny to me and you don't have to share this, but you had an experience with someone that you cared for, that you loved and cared for that when he passed, he actually showed you a little bit of the expansiveness in not being in a physical body. And again, if you don't want to share Holly, it's easy for me to cut this out. I, I was going to say, I don't know what I would have a hard time sharing. So you never know. We didn't talk about this before. So it's like, well, I hope because some of these are very personal experiences. And sometimes, like you said, you're like, I don't know that I would share everything. So that's why I'm caveating it with you don't have to share. And would you mind? Well, the, the only reason why I didn't share the Monson incident is I didn't want to break someone's heart. Mm-hmm. But if I heard to, or if they're asking me, or even if, if it feels challenging to say, or to tell any um, of my history, I will still say it. Yeah, I'll still, 
it's not that I'm keeping a secret or uh, yeah, I understood that. Yeah. So on, I did have a good friend and we had a, a really close connection. We talked um, about spiritual stuff constantly about who God was. He was more um, uh, like a scriptorian than I was. I'm more, um, uh, Spirit have loose definitions yeah. of of what God is because again I'm not sure. So, but right before he died, he was mad. He was angry that God didn't heal his body. He had um, heart and liver failure, and he wanted a transplant. And everybody, the hospitals denied him. Mm. So he was angry, and he didn't want to die. So all conversations about God stopped months before he died. And his brother and his mother, and sometimes his father would come to me and say, we're waiting for you. We're excited. Come on, come with us. So I would tell him and he would just get upset or angry or just totally ignore me. But when they came, I would tell him anyway, they came and they they were so excited and they said, we're ready. Come on, come be with us. So when he died, then he came to me right after he died and he said, I am not with my brother. I am one with my brother. Hmm. And that's, and it had a feeling of oneness. Hmm. So I've had um, several experiences in that. And again, I think so far I've kept, I can feel in the oneness when you quiet down and let go of all the definition of, when I let go of all the definition of me and just feel me, I, uh, myself, then I feel in the oneness. Mm-hmm. I just feel me. So I know I use me on both aspects they're very different so um but I a lot of times I'm keeping myself separate in the human existence even though that that feeling of oneness is always there Mm -hmm. if that made any sense I jumped around no you didn't it made sense I understood that and I I remember you and I having a conversation after that had happened And I remember the thing for me in that conversation that stuck out was the reminder that, that the things that a lot of us, especially when you're stepping out of religion and you're starting to seek for those things that feel like more, more expansive, understanding the universe and understanding God or or whatever source oneness that we do forget that we are in a human body. And the human brain, while we're still learning how to actually utilize more of it, can only process and understand right now to a certain degree. And there are some things that we just simply won't truly understand until after we pass. And even then, I know in my experience with my dad, it's been really fun to watch his progression, you know, and, and it's like, we, we're energy, we never die, like it continues mm-hmm. moving forward. And, and we're always growing and always learning. And but that was the one thing that really stood out to me was, yes, I'm, I can do my best in understanding. And the more I learn, the more I learn, I don't know, 
right? And God keeps changing for me and things keep changing. And I, I, um, I was just listening to a Greg Braden and he said he likes to live his life. And I'm trying to remember exactly how he said it, where he, um, as an empty vessel so that he may be filled. And it was such an interesting idea because a lot of times we think we know the things and in religion, you think, you know, all the things. And then we, it's almost like we have to try and figure out when we leave, well, what's the next thing? Because I need some sort of a foundation here. And sometimes it's like, it'll, you know, the next thing will come when it's going to, when it's going to come. And that oneness is, is the all things and the no things, right? (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. I don't know how to define that. And really it's always there. It never goes away. It's just being quiet just for a moment. And then it's like all of the, the lines, the definitions, the barriers, they just leave. Mm-hmm. And you just feel you. So, and we are here to have a human experience. And the human experience, I often say we're here to experience what we are not. Yeah, you do. We have death and sickness and and you know barriers and opposition and opposites and mm-hmm. and everything else i love that to have all hogs yes well and have lots of different experiences right mm-hmm. well is there anything else you feel like you would like to share i think the most important thing that Um, I would like someone who is in that transitional period to know is that God's not going anywhere. That the the relationship that you have, it's only, um, there's only expansion. There's only uh, room to get closer to to grow, that there's nothing being missed. There's nothing that uh, is being taken away. It's being given always because that's how God rolls. That's how we roll. We just continually give breath of life, abundance, love, everything delicious. Mm-hmm. I love that. Beautiful. Well, I feel like we're close to wrapping up unless there's anything else that it feels to share on your side. Just given my love. That's that's all. I think I don't have anything else. Well, thank you, Holly. Thanks for sharing your heart and sharing the beauty and of all that you are you're just amazing and i just so appreciate you so thank you thank you thank you for joining us today man each time i have one of these interviews and these stories that are shared they are always so beautiful and so touching i hope that something resonated with you maybe it was an answer to something that you were seeking You can find me on my website at amandajoyloveland.com for more information or more conversation there or on social media at amanda.joy.loveland. Have such a beautiful day and remember you are not alone.